If you ever find yourself in an automotive accident, don't settle for any old body shop. Tell your insurance company to send your vehicle to the Ultimate Collision Center, where we, yes we, I'm the painter here and have been for many years, we are a family-owned and operated company. Here at the Ultimate Collision Center, we guarantee all of our work done during the repair process. That means every nut, bolt, color, clear coat, parts we replace or fix is 100% guaranteed by us. You can trust in our team of technicians that have been together for well over a decade. The Ultimate Collision Center accepts all insurance companies and we do all in our power to ensure the use of OEM parts and materials. So tell your insurance adjuster you want to send your vehicle to the Ultimate Collision Center, located at 5912 Auburn Boulevard in the city of Citrus Heights, 95621, or call to make an appointment for an estimate at 916-768-9614. Welcome back to another episode of Have a Dope Day. I'm your host, Gabriel Lopez. Today in the studio, I have Grant Knuski. Did I fuck it up? You fucked it up. I fucked it up. Say it right for me. After the cops. After the cops. <laughs> All right. Knuski. All right. Thank you very much. Now, before we get into your episode, I want to just announce that this is the first recording in the gallery by We Are Sacramento, the new space on Del Paso. It's at 1019 Del Paso Boulevard, and the grand opening will be here on June 17th. So, thank you, Mario. <clears throat> All right, G, let's get into your story. Sorry for fucking up your name. Um, <laughs> for the audience, you can hear the AC in the background. You're just going to have to live with it because it's hot. Well, I guess Mario's saying it's not, but if you do, you'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> Where does art start for you? Um, you know, art starts with, like, you know, tinkering with things as a kid, you know, my brother, it was just me and my brother and uh, he was always playing video games. So I had to figure something out to do. Pass the time. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it ended up with like building card houses, learning hella magic tricks. Like, oh, what? You know, fucking magic fool. I know too many. Like What? Like okay, you pull that shit out at a party, what? people go nuts. Oh, that's tight. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like all these things are related. And then, like, uh, fingerboard skate parks, we would build, like, the craziest skate yeah. parks. Yeah. Little and, setups like, with books and shit. Yeah. Oh, way more than books. We would take our skate shoes and oh. turn the boxes into, oh. like, gnarly parks. That's dope. Yeah. We made a mega ramp once, dude. <laughs> you had to run to hit this thing. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. And so... And so, like, then, what, Nerf guns and Connects guns. And I had, like, a YouTube channel that was popping off with all these things, like fingerboarding and Nerf guns and Connects guns. And then the girls in high school started finding out, and this is, like, eighth eighth grade. And I was like, I'm deleting it all. Maybe it's not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of deleted it all. But I feel like that's where my, like, interest in, like, just doing things and making, yeah. making things uh, started. And uh, it was because I didn't play video games. Um, and so when I started moving into art, like my mom was always really artistic, creative. And she had this painting and it was like this beautiful, large, abstract expressionist painting from the 70s. Ooh, okay. And uh, I just can always... You de- can you describe it to me? Sorry. Yeah, it's like white, purple, red, and blue. And what black. size? What size was it? About like three foot wide by four feet high. Oh yeah, right. And 
it was just these five colors and then each one had their own corner and then they kind of blended in a beautiful way in the center okay and like since i can remember being a kid just staring at that piece of art and it just was so many different things for me as i grew up and then when i like really got into art in college uh that's like the piece that drove me to the style I do and to like the size I do. It's all because uh, my mom bought some piece of art. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Now I have a similar story that I haven't shared yet. <coughs> uh, I slept a lot in my grandparents' spare bedroom. And in there they had a big TV, which I would watch cops every Saturday night. <laughs> and then they had like uh, a little old coffee table and a pullout sofa that i would sleep on and like above the sofa was this painting it was like a it's probably like a four foot painting by like you know three feet i guess i don't know but it was of like this fucking nature scenery where like there's this creek coming through a small little cabin and all these tall redwoods and the mm -hmm. lights coming through the trees and i remember just waking up every day and seeing that painting yeah. and just tripping on it like i'm not i never painted anything like that but i did trip on the painting itself right and the first time i seen bob ross I thought like, oh, that's the dude that did the painting in the room. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and even now when I see Bob Ross, it reminds me of that painting. Yeah. And I say that to say that it's wild how influential something so just a part of the regular landscape can have an effect on you later on. Right. You might not understand it, but it, it definitely does. Yeah. Now, where does you, you had talked about college? Where does that start? Yeah. So uh, I went to <clears throat> Temple University in uh, North Philadelphia and uh, the architecture program was in the Tyler School of Art. Okay. And like the first two years, you know, you're, you're being trained to be an artist before an architect. And if you're not good enough, they cut the last 25% uh, people that they don't think are skilled enough to be an architect. But it all starts with, you know, proving yourself as an artist. So it's drawing, painting, okay. photography. Okay. Um, and then all these things, but they don't let you design a building for the first two years. Now, why do you even go into architecture, architect, whatever the fuck you're supposed to call it, however to say Yeah, architecture. Yeah, why do you go into that field? Uh, I went into it because my dad was a mechanical engineer. He designs like okay. jet airplane engines. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, and my mom was like a people's person. She helped mm -hmm. do nonprofits for people with uh, mental handicaps and like okay. gave them work. Yeah. You know, um, so these two different dynamics and then it's like, where do I land up? Yeah. And they were like, oh, you're so good at arguing. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> like, hey, uh, there you go. <laughs> no, that's I don't want to deal with everyone's problems. But I, I kind of ended up as like, OK, I want to make dreams come true. And that's what okay. that's what architecture is for me. It's like I deal with everyone's dreams, not problems, you know, Yeah. like making a dream home come true, dream space. And uh, I feel like my art is like integral to that vision I have of like making the world a more beautiful place. Definitely people's individual world. I think that's something you had said in the prep. And I was like, oh, okay. Very focused. Yeah. That's yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, we are individuals. Yeah. Right. So the space you're in is super important and worth investing in. And that, that goes for architecture and art, obviously. So where does... You pursue this education in Philly, right? For the most part, you started. Right. Now, what kind of influences are you a part of, or social? What are you into in Philly in high school in your free time? Yeah, so uh, moving to Philly, like I've been a skater punk since like 
like 12 years old. I guess my board was at my feet at eight. Yeah. Right. Kick flipping by 13. Yeah. Tray flipping down sets by 14. Fuck. Um, so we like, we were little skate rats. Yeah. And then moved to Philly. Right. And just like diving deep into like the punk shows, you know, the punk scene basement shows fucking seven foot ceilings you know yeah, yeah. cigs in the basement <laughs> you know little fucking wild mosh pits and then skating out you know and so that was like that was philly days and um i feel like the philly days were like diving into the punk and the art scene and like being around this art school was like super influential and there's like you know all these people doing different things and i lived with all musicians and i was oh, okay a, i was a band photographer Okay. So I'm always around like creative people. Yeah. And so, you know, one day my buddy, you know, he's like strapped for cash or whatever. And he's like, let me give you some some cardboard. Let me give you 30 pages, 30 huge, like, what is it? Three by four pieces of cardboard. Yeah. Chipboard. And uh, I was like, all right, you know, helped him out. And then that's where I just started experimenting with painting. Like, like techniques and this is like 2015 um you know all these different things like just throwing paint at it trying rothko's trying Pollock's, yeah, you know, yeah. trying gerhard richter's techniques and then finding where that lands for me and we had a fucking the whole apartment was just every inch of the walls was art yeah homies you know you name it just fucking throw it on the wall yeah. there might be something over it next week where do you even learn about Rothko and these guys? Is that part of the curriculum at the school you're going to? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have one class, art history. Okay. And that's about all you get in the architecture program. But you're surrounded by these people that are always talking about. Yeah, what makes sense. What it is, what, what, what's been done before. Oh, your work. Oh, you're doing this? Yeah, no, yeah. that looks like this guy, you know? Yeah. And so you know obviously it's like being around the right people that push you to be a better artist see i'm getting into that circle now mm-hmm. but growing up it was just straight you're talking about street culture from a punk right. rock perspective right and it's fucking tight right it's got its own energy it's got its own situation where it occurs and how it occurs and who it occurs with like mm-hmm. did that with graph it was it was the same thing hip-hop shows and the shittiest little spots or just ciphers wherever the fuck it was and it was like i think those things are very open and wild and free and you start talking about like structured art history timelines of this is when this happened and this is when that happened i think it's dope to be able to maneuver between both of those at least to be able to pull influence from right like i'm doing that now right and it's tight to see like that you had that too right you know it's cool and like the funniest shit was like um freshman year i'm living in north philly and i've been in graffiti like since skateboarding yeah definitely. i start seeing this tag everywhere it's a pause yeah yeah and i'm like shit yo that's in front of my house yeah you know this dude's been hitting in front of my school yeah this guy's got markers hitting my you know he's doing rollers over the highway yeah and i'm like who the fuck is this guy yeah you know I'm, and i'm actually like fanboying out on this guy yeah. right and like i'm like a huge believer in the law of attraction and manifesting okay. your, your own reality and like, you know, thoughts become things. And so I start thinking, pause, man, who's this guy? And then I moved to a new place on Gratt street. It's yeah. like the same street that Meek Mills lived on. So this oh, is wow. like 19 in Gratz in North Philly, Epic street. Um, but 
I'm hanging out with the guys upstairs for the first time because I needed to make weed brownies and yeah, yeah. my oven wasn't working. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you guys, Have can I oven. use your yeah. oven? I'll smoke I'll you up. break you off with some of what I got. Yeah. And so they're all, they all start tagging a pizza box, right? And I start watching. I'm like, what are you writing there? Yeah, yeah. And it was fucking pause. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, you're the guy that's been hitting all around my neighborhood. Yeah. Like, Big fan, actually. Huge fucking throw-ups, you know, like fucking a whole storage box overnight, yeah. you know, and at a hot location. And, like, I'm like, fuck, you live above me now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I was surprised by the amount of culture I learned from from living with these graph heads. You know, they were they were big deadheads, and uh, this dude was a big graph head and also a big dabber and a glassblower, too. Um, you know, we're not going to say his name, but he taught me a whole lot about just like questioning art and yeah. And then how that relates at a street level. That's what I'm saying. Bam. These two, they call them influence, but they're actually ideologies. Right. Right. You have structured art as it existed without us before us. And then you have like the attitude of today. Mm -hmm. You put those things together through an artist and let the come out. Some of the, some comes out. Some definitely It's usually interesting too. Yeah. Philly also has a very unique way of doing things uh, graffiti wise. Like a lot of people have seen the movie infamy. I think it was, and they learned about, you know, like flare tags, top and bottom tags to yep. where like yep. Philly has a fucking reputation for like the art of tagging. Mm-hmm. And then that translates into everything else too. Like you should be able to see Philly styles on a wall and know that's, that's Philly. That's Philly yeah. How many yeah. clicks does it have? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, is it, is it yeah like you said top to bottom yeah. and you use a wide cap but you got to know how to flare it yeah you got to learn can control too their yeah. way yeah and so like i was following suit um you know and i had a little tag i like to write <laughs> yeah that's tight yeah um, and then after watching these guys do it so well you know at one point i saw some work i did one night yeah. saw it the next day yeah. and i said fuck that's trash yeah <laughs> And then I think I kind of put my cans away after that because I just, I knew that um, that's not like my place to share art just because some people just get it and got it. And yeah. uh, my thing was more like visual art and, you know, a little bit more like tuned or, you know, just different private in a way. Well, the fact that you can respect the culture enough to be like, I'm going to love it from a distance. Yeah. And yeah. I don't need to be in it because... But to ex- that's very valuable. Like, here we are. How many years ago was that? That was, like, 2017. Okay. Here we are now. We're having a conversation about it, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, that's came across a bunch of times with other artists to where they're just like, the respect for graft is all you really need in order to start that conversation, get the dialogue going, and it leads into some other shit. Yeah. But, again, the ideologies of these two different things, street culture and then, like, you know, our culture are different, but it's so dope to see them put together mm-hmm. and what comes out after. Yeah, and like it's cool because like Philly's, it's like this mixture of like punk. Yeah, it's like a little bit less gangster rap than you know vibes than like California. Yeah, and then like these guys were all musicians and they they could play like any Grateful Dead song ever. Like yeah, total fucking hippies. You know. Yeah. Um, and that was like funny too, you know, like Grateful Dead hippie graffiti artist. Yeah, right? yeah, that yeah. Would fucking yeah. take acid and hit all night, yeah. like do hits all night, like yeah, tight, tight. 
tight. I had uh, one of my homies was doing mushrooms, micro dosing mushrooms, and I think there was a point where he started taking more than a micro dose. Like he was tripping <laughs> yeah. during the day, and I remember I hadn't spoke to him in a while, like years. His chrome, we were actually painting a wall right around the way over here on Del Paso, and like he's sitting there just like laughing to himself, talking to himself. Like <laughs> I'm looking at him like trip, and I'm like, yo, what's what's the matter with you? What are you doing? Like, we're normally on point with each other, like, cause we're out and about painting. Right. And he's just like, I don't know, no big deal. And later on, I heard him say like, I took, I took way too many mushrooms today. It's like, <laughs> and I looked at the piece and I was like looking at his previous work and I was like, I can see the difference in this piece yeah. just from you tripping off mushrooms. And I think he might've continued to trip off mushrooms because his work is getting much more intricate, Better. much more different, <laughs> but it's wild to see how the same substance affects different people. Right? Like mm -hmm. people do that shit to make music, but when you do it to make graffiti, it'll change your well, influences change yeah. and all that shit. And you're like, you're dealing with all the, the exciting parts of writing graffiti. Yeah. You know, like, that's kind of tough to navigate on mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. I've never done the mushroom thing. That scares me. No, I'll tell you from experience, it's it's tough to write on mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happens after you complete college? Or what what did you have to do to complete college, I should say? Yeah, so um, I just got so into art where I was like doing art as much as I was doing architecture school. Okay. And, and I wasn't doing any assignments. I was just oh. making art, selling art. Um, and like that, that ended up taking a lot of my time and excitement, but I still got really good grades in architecture school. Um, but I guess it was like just pushing it further. Like, Oh, sh like I can, I can make art and I can make it well. Yeah. You know, like I was just messing around in high school, like just, you know, getting by, not even trying. And then when you really got to try in college because you're fucking paying for it. And yeah, you yeah. don't know that you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, you got to try and like, you're paying for this $300 a class. Like I'm going to listen, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. And like, that's when I really was like, damn, I can draw and it's good. And so that's when I was like, let's keep, let's keep doing this art thing. You know, does it turn into, you said you were selling art. What's that mean? Were you selling like bigger pieces, smaller pieces in a gallery by yourself? What was the situation you were selling under? Yeah. So when, when I started, I just wanted to get my art into people's hands for cheap. Yeah. And I would build my own canvases and, you know, mix my own fluid acrylics and just like keep the, you know, the cost down. Yeah. Just two by twos from Home Depot and fucking drop cloth as the canvas. And, uh, I'd sell a piece for like 200 bucks. Yeah. But if it got in someone's house, I was happy. Yeah. Um, and that's where it kind of started. Um, and then it's developed into something a lot more uh, meaningful and uh, serious in a way, more professional. But in the beginning, it was just like, let's get my art into people's houses and see if people like yeah. it. Everyone should have a big piece of art in their house. Definitely. And I liked, <clears throat> we'll get more into We'll dive deeper into the artist process and part and where you're at now. But I did like, or you surprised me when you had said you believe in, I think you said the feng shui of a, of a space or of a room. Correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And you were like, when you wake up in the morning, you shouldn't see portraits in your, in your room. And I, in my head, I was like, well, why? 
Yeah. Like, not not because I'm challenging what you say, but I want to know the information. Mm-hmm. Like, like, well, you should start your day off clear, this and that. And I was like, okay, this is a whole nother set of information. I have no idea that exists. Right. And let me just learn. Right. So can you just run down where does that whole feng shui thing come into play? Like, where'd you even find out about that at? What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's these principles you learn as a designer and, you know, an architect, you know, I do, I do kind of all of it, architecture, interior design. Okay. Um, you name it, start to finish lighting design. And so it's all related. So like the feng shui of a space, like, you know, don't have a mirror above your bed, right? It's this whole idea of keeping your mind clear when you're resting, you know, you don't want to wake up and see a picture, even if it's someone you love, you got so much shit with that person. Yeah. If you love someone, you best bet you got shit with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's some, some degree. And so, when you wake up, you need to be clear. You need to be your own person. And so that's like the beliefs of feng shui. It's like some of these feng shui beliefs, especially around the bedroom, I think are important because you're most impressionable when you go to bed and when you wake up. Oh. Right? That's when your brain waves are at that impressionable, important part. That's why Damn. if you have a shitty morning, you have a shitty fucking day. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think all this is related with art. So Oh, it I, is. When I make a piece, I want the piece to either be a bedroom piece or a living room piece, but something that transforms the space and like doesn't necessarily push its meaning onto you. It lets you mean into it. Oh, hella studious. Right. <laughs> sounds like, right. It sounds a little fancy, fam. It's tight though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, like I said, like I don't make up any art that I wouldn't want to hang in my house. Yeah, no, and that's tight. And I've, I went through a phase where it was like, and I think you had mentioned something about this too. Like, I think everybody goes through it, in fact, is where you you get a sale, you get excited over the possibility of making money and you try to recreate that situation that sold it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that shit will drive you crazy if you're not in love with that one situation that sold. Right. You know, in two days, you might change everything because something changes you. Right. And so the art changes and it's like, it's really dope that you have these principles to draw from. And the fact that it's it's all based off of like what you do for a living, I think that's dope too. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into where do you get into your profession? Like what happens after college? How do you get in bed with a company? Right. So when I graduated college, I had high hopes. Like I was like, I wanted to get into Yale, oh, Princeton, shit. Harvard, oh, damn. UPenn, and then you know University of Cincinnati, right? I went to continuation school. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And so that was the UC was like the bottom of the barrel. And I got into UPenn, uh, which is a really good school in Philadelphia and University of Cincinnati. UPenn was like 60,000 a semester. Oh, whoa. Unbelievable. And they don't tell you your scholarships until you accept. Okay. So those high hopes kind of got like, all right, I'll go to the University of Cincinnati and do this program where you, you do a semester and then you co-op and you like you move to a new city and, and work for a company for four four months and then you go back and you do a semester and you do another co-op and then another semester and another co-op and then two more semesters and okay. you have a master's in architecture and so that brought me across the country four separate times driving Dang. and so like i've done all the routes across the country straight across all the way up north and down all the way down south and around been to most states um 
And yeah, so I lived in like Denver and then I lived in San Francisco twice doing a co-op with my current architecture firm, um, Costa Brown Architecture, right? And so we're a, like a small high-end residential and commercial architecture firm in San Francisco. Um, and you know, it's like, it's like tight knit. It's me and three other architects. So, um, and we're all licensed. So it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of responsibilities, but we get shit done. And like, I get to make, you know, a lot of decisions along the process that, you know, kids that are 28 years old don't really get. And I think that's partly because I hustled for that license, you know? I think so too. And I would, now I'm like wondering, Did you, what drew, what drew you to this company in particular? If you went through all these other ones, like what was the thing that made you say yes to this one? Mm-hmm. Or was it just like, fuck, I hope I just get something. No, it's never like that. I don't mm-hmm. live in lack. Okay. You know, um, it's like, I always worked for small firms because I, I don't like to, you know, do someone else's design. Right. So if you work for a small firm, you got to work a lot harder, but you get to design the whole fucking building. And you get the credit for that. Yeah. I mean, okay. credit doesn't even matter as much as just knowing. Okay. You know, knowing you did it. Okay. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're like, yeah, it's a nice space. They don't give a shit, the architect. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so then I ended up here and I thought it was, you know, it was dope. They provided like housing for the co-op. Oh, shit. It's like really nice. The bottom of Koi Tower was sweet. Um, but then... It kind of like, I was always like, I'm going to meet a mentor one day. I'm going to meet a mentor and they're going to change my life. And I had a few. And then second time around co-oping with the same firm, I was like, oh my God, my mentor is right in front of me. It's this guy I did a whole co-op with and I didn't even think about it. And so sometimes the answers are right in front of your face. They are, yeah. You know, and you just got to look at it the right way or apply yourself a little harder and yeah. then then they take you more seriously. And that's kind of like what happened. So I've totally taken off since this guy, you know, he's like, this dude just traveled the whole world, like total deadhead, best architect in the city, like can get a permit for damn near anything. So um, I think that's inspiration enough, you know? <laughs> when you say a high end small firm, what's, what would be the opposite side of the coin to that? <laughs> It'd be like, uh, you know, a cheap firm out of San Rafael that just gets the job done <laughs> or something like that. And that's like state buildings or something? Like, what would they be designing? Um, they'd be designing, like, simple. They, You know, it's like, it's just get the job done. You, you, they, the, the design's already done. Okay. Right. And so we're designers. If the design's already done and you're trying to hand it off to us, we say, go find someone else. Okay. You know, because we're the artists, we're the architects, and we pride ourselves on that. Now, what's the preparation with the client before it gets to you? Are you there from the beginning? Like, what's, how does this whole job work? I have no idea what an architecture At a small firm, is. it's kind of easy to explain for a small firm, right? It's less convoluted. Okay. Um, the principal, right? My mentor, the principal, he handles the main initial client interface. And it's usually like a building owner or developer. And they come in with a dream and, and we essentially temper their expectations. And yeah. then um, 
and then we sign a contract and then we start working with them and making that dream come true. Um, what does making the dream come true look like on your end? Yeah. So, I mean, meeting number two with the client, I'm there, okay. you know, Albert usually hands, handles the first one, but, um, I'm there for the second meeting and then it's just, you listen, you gotta be a good listener. Yeah, you definitely. Know? And you can't just, you know, a lot of architects try to shove their designs down people's throat or okay. try to shoehorn it in. And that's what I've learned. It's like, that's not good design. You've got to be the best listener. And sometimes clients with no education in architecture at all have the coolest designs. And, and that's why, you know, that's why I, get, I ask for feedback on all my artwork because like, Sometimes the uneducated feedback is like the best because that's what you need. Not everyone has a fucking degree in art or architecture yeah. or interior design. Sounds like a really fucking expensive commission. <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah. the beginning of yep. a really expensive commission. Yep. That's the same thing I take. What would what like my question to people is like, what's your ideal outcome for this or whatever that, you know, mm -hmm. those words are. And usually they tell me what the piece needs to be according to what, how I do things. Right. You know, and it makes it very easy versus just trying to shoot them different ideas or right. lead them, whatever. So what are some of the things you've designed? Houses, buildings, like, educate me. Yeah, so, um, what, on Market Street, you know, I designed, like, a few of these awnings, right? Okay. Um that's been done. Uh, I designed some front yards. So like, you know, multi-million dollar house, totally ugly front yard. This is up at Twin Peaks and like wooden deck. And I, we designed a beautiful concrete multi-leveled terrace garden with these huge steel panels with windows through them. Okay. And they're like pieces of sculpture. They create what we call like a promenade through a path. Okay. And uh, it's like an experience. And it, it, it was, sounds like it. Yeah. And, and they, so these panels, they, they're, they're rusting they're, It's core 10 steel. They're meant to rust. So they change. Yeah. And they keep getting cooler and yeah. cooler with time. Yeah. That's tight. And, uh, so that's done. I, I just drove by there the other day. Yeah. Beautiful. Working on getting pictures. The, the, the architecture shit takes forever. You know, that started, that project started in 2020. We just finished like a few months ago. Like three years. And that's just a front yard. Yeah. Are you going out to look at it to make... So, like, yeah, the whole rusting thing. Was that something you came up with? Whose ideas yeah. is something like that? Yeah, no, I, I knew the material would rust. Okay. You know, and that's why I picked it. But what made that situation right for those materials? And, you, like, just as an artist? It was a piece of sculpture. Okay. Right? Like, yeah. it was a... I was making sculpture. Yeah. So, each one of these panels are the same proportion as like the house oh shit and so we also did like i didn't i wasn't a part of this in 2018 but we did the whole house too it was a one story we did a whole re remodel to make it a two-story it looks like a new house okay so cost around designed that house and then we come back later new owner and then we designed them a front yard and so i took the proportions from the house and the windows of the house and then put that onto these steel panels extended it yeah right and so it's like it's like taking these visual cues and yeah bringing them into your your literal three-dimensional field and that's why i think architecture is the most powerful art fam you're like the most artist 
artist I ever had. <laughs> no, this is crazy because you're working with. It's not just paint and canvas. Like you're living this, right? It's yeah. in. It's what you do day to day. Everything. You come home. How thick you, is your countertop? Like yeah. that's art to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, and that's wild. So, how long have you been with this company? Go ahead, take your water. So my my first uh, co-op with them was in 2018. Okay. I've been designing buildings since I was 19 years old. Um, I mowed lawns for one summer after college, and I was like, I'm too smart to be mowing lawns. Yeah, yeah. So ever since then, uh, my first internship after the sophomore year uh, undergrad, I sent like 85 emails to all these firms in Philadelphia. Dang. And one of the names stood out to me, Woodcock Design Incorporated. <laughs> I know. So I was like geeking at the name, and I got two answers back from 85 emails. Dang. And one of them was Woodcock. And I, I went, I met her. I was a small firm, just a woman, badass woman. She was like the president of AIA at one point, American Institute of Architects. Thank you. And I was uh, going to ask next. <laughs> she she took me on and she taught me all these things. And, and I, you know, I worked on like um, the punchline in Philadelphia. I got to do the exterior facade of that building. Um, you know, a few row home remodels. Uh, but, you know, 19 years old. And doing this stuff start to finish because it's it was me, her, and another guy, and so that's where you really get experience in the world is like small, tight knit relationships. Yeah. And since then, I only worked for small firms, less than four people. So that's where I really got a lot of my skills from is just having to do it. Yeah, world world experience. There's no substitute for that, yeah. right? Especially when it's small. Yeah. Everything I've learned for a paint job body shop wise has always been one-on-one -on -one, very slow none of it happens overnight like mm -hmm. you, you kind of grind your way through it until you figure out where you fit in right. where you excel and then after a while it becomes second nature and you're designing million dollar front yards on people's homes that's Ser why yeah seriously where does the full-time career start with the with the firm in the city uh right when i graduated i uh 2020 Right. Okay. It was a funny time. So like, you know, COVID hits and I'm working on building out my, my minivan. I got a Chrysler town and country 2007. Okay. Yeah. Uh, light, what color is it? Light blue, bro. <laughs> it's like soccer mom round, yeah. you know, it's all rounded. Yeah. Um, my dad got it in Philly for like $4,000. Okay. You know, good deal. And 114,000 miles on it. So I am like COVID hits and we're like, we switched to finish. This was the last semester of my master's degree. Mm. So we switched to like online for the last month. Yeah. And I'm like tight. I was going to have to do so much work. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm just chilling. And so I just start building this van out and I'm like, hey, if shit gets crazy, like we're hitting going the, to road. the woods. Yeah, yeah. We're going, no we're going to nowhere. <laughs> um, but, and then I did all that. And then I finished up in what, June. And then this is June 2020, and I get a call from my firm, which I was planning on taking a job uh, with. And he's like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to like get paid a month early, like for a whole month early? Like we got some money we need to take care of and whatever." Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, yes, yes, <laughs> I'll I see do." You a month from yeah. now, we're gonna be on the road. And so then I ended up like getting paid to drive across the country yeah. for 40 days in my minivan with yeah. my girlfriend That's and like sick. my two rescue uh, 
palm cheese. Okay. They're like five pound Pomeranian chihuahuas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> palm cheese? Yeah, dude. They're funny ass dogs. So we had two of them <laughs> and in this blue minivan. And so that was like the huge trek across yeah. the northern border of the United States and then down the whole coast. Um, and then that's when I started working. So 2020, uh, July. My job did something similar. They started giving $500 bonuses for like no reason. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this? And they're like, don't even worry about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not going to worry I'm about it. I'm not going to worry <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, but as long as this isn't like you're not going to ask for this back, yeah, yeah. we're good. Yeah. That was an exciting time it for was, a lot of people. It was people. different. It was what? very different. <laughs> That's where I started to be able to dive into art as no longer a graffiti writer. Just like, what's an artist look like for me? Like, mm-hmm. it was in that fucking year. And it was tight. It was dope. Yeah. Uh, definitely different. So what's what's it like when this when everything opens back up and now you're a part of this firm? Yeah, so like driving across the country, like everything was closed and no one was around. Yeah. Campsites were even empty. Yeah. Why are y'all scared of camping? Yeah. And some of them were closed and we were like furious. Like, why would you close a campsite? Yeah. Insane. But, and then, you know, we get to the city and it's like a little jarring. We're like, whoa, (laughs) we're living in San Francisco now. Yeah. Um, But it was, it was cool because it was like, let's start making art again. Yeah. You know, cause I was in Cincinnati and I had a bunch of paintings and I, you know, I couldn't take them all in a van. Yeah. So I fucking slapped flyers up okay. everywhere with like pictures of each one and then like listings. And you know, I sold like, I think six paintings just from these flyers in North, oh, okay. North side Cincinnati. It's like a hipster. Yeah. Town yeah. In Cincinnati, like live music all the time. Yeah cool ass spot in Cincinnati and people dig the art and flyers were the key. Um, so then when I got out here, I ended up finding a studio Yeah, and that was, uh, art explosions on, uh, it's put in, on Petrero Hill. Right. Okay. So it's in San Francisco and it's kind of like a group studio. Uh, you can get shared spaces or private spaces and you know, I'm just going for the, the cheap shared space and it's been great. Are the people different? Are the artists different? Because before you were here for a little bit, you were here for four months. You were in California and different places for four mm-hmm. months, right? Yeah. Um, but now you're like here. Yeah. Has there is there any culture shock or are you just used to moving around already? Yeah, no, I've I've been moving around, yeah, you know, out of the house 18. Um, but culture shock in a good way. Okay. You know, I moved to Cincinnati. You know, living in Philadelphia, right? People are just kind of dicks. For okay. it's like part of the culture. It's like <laughs> if right. you're not a dick, you're not Philly. Okay. And so, like, if you don't curse someone out when they cut you off, yeah, you're you're not Philly. Yeah, yeah. Right? He goes, "Fuck you, asshole!" <laughs> like that's that's just how it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's because everyone's fucking cold or, or <laughs> yeah. too hot, but anyways, so I keep I start moving west. You know, Cincinnati. You're like, oh, people here are pretty nice. You know. And like little background, my dad's from New York. My mom's from Alabama. Oh, that's right? different. So like I grew up going to Alabama every year. Yeah. You know, like half my family has hella accents and stuff. So I've had, and then like my other family's New York, super New York. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I have these two different dichotomies and then I start moving West. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I'm like, Cincinnati, oh, people are cool here. Kind of hospital, like Alabama. And then you move, I moved to Colorado. And like one, I, I also didn't want to live anywhere where you can get arrested for a flower. 
Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Just kind of out of principle. Yeah. I feel like letting that be okay creates a lot of problems that yeah. we don't even have time to get into. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a flower. So I'm like, all right, Colorado. I'm like, this is tight. People here are really cool. You know? Yeah. Didn't really love the architecture. It's kind of flat. <laughs> and then I moved to San Francisco. I'm like, damn. Every fucking house is a piece of art. Yeah. Everything is original. Everything is different from their neighbor. There's colors, there's trim, there's moldings, there's different styles. Yeah. And it's like, I want to design buildings here. This is this is high quality art. And and then the same thing uh follows through in terms of the art world itself. Yeah. It's a rich art world. And in a way that I feel like a lot of other cities don't provide, or maybe they do, but it's like contrived or because they're drawing from such a boring environment and that city is not fucking boring no. there's all that's there's so i mean even yeah. oakland and, yeah and uh alameda and, yeah. and sacramento dude the fab yeah. 40s and like yeah. you know just all of the architecture in california is top notch so you move here you're living here full-time now are you, where does art fit into the new career or to the full-time career? Yeah. It's like, um, again, yeah. Working full-time, you get off at five, five thirty. Now I work, I get off at four thirty. but, uh, bike to studio. Okay. You know, I bike down the Embarcadero, beautiful ride. And then, uh, end up at studio and I just hustle for a few nights a week and then no pressure, you know, yeah, just trying to make some cool stuff. And I think my inspiration for art is kind of like selfish in a way where it's like, I, I need some stuff to look good for my house. There you go. That'll and, work. And it's like, I need something for my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone wants to buy it, I can make another one in between getting it to the bedroom. Yeah. 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 And so like, that's a big push. It's like, I need some pieces for these white walls. I can't stand white walls. Yeah. And I'm not going to pay when I can do it in yeah, a way yeah. I like yeah. the best. So, uh, yeah. So that's just kind of followed me everywhere I go. It's like, I need to, I need to make some art for these walls. Was the size the same all the time for you? Like the six pieces you let go before you moved were those square, big square foot pieces or were those 16 by 20 pieces? Like where does your sizing come into play? And for the audience who doesn't know you explain your ideal size. Yeah. That's a great thing to bring up. Um, the bigger abstract art is, the more effective it is. Definitely, in, in I agree. My opinion. I agree. And when you're trying to make a presence with colors and shapes and form and composition, it's got to be big if you want to make an impact. Yeah. And I always think big enough to relate to the human scale. Like you should be able to be inside of that painting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it all started with like those pieces of chipboard that my friend traded me yeah because uh you know big canvases are expensive and they are you're shy to do that as a beginning artist yeah because you don't want to waste are. the money yeah. yeah so when i had these like 30 pieces of uh i think it was 32 by 48 yeah uh pieces of cardboard i just started making art and in the in the format the size just really sung to me yeah. And I just could never go smaller than that size ever since. Because this, you know, the 16 by 20s look like every 
cheap. What you went to that one? What's that one store that everyone gets cheap? Marshall, IKEA. That one, yeah. that one, Michaels, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to Michaels and got a five yeah. pack. That's what yeah. it looks like to me. So like, it's got to be big. It's got to be bold if you're gonna be pouring paint or throwing paint or spraying paint. It, it needs to give some space for the paint to sing. Yeah, it does. What kind of paints are you using for the audience that doesn't know your work? Yeah, that they're gonna hear this and then go look. Um, so I like to use acrylic. Right, like a medium to like high body acrylic, and then I mix all my own colors with you know water, some secret some secret ingredients, and yeah. put that in like squirt bottles. So like every color I use is is a custom color. Nothing is out of the bottle, yeah. and I try to use all three primaries in every color to give you that like full body, like Italian paints do. Right. Versus okay. like American paints where it's like you just use one or two of the primaries. But when you use all three, it gives the colors body, like even if it's just a drop of yellow. Yeah. Right. And so that's like how I think about paint. It's like it's got to be something unique, intentional. And so like I think of a palette before and then I I mix it up from hand. And if it ain't right, I try again. You now know? you said squirt bottles are we talking about like water bottles you spray your hair with when you're combing we're talking about like ketchup bottles it's pretty much like a glorified ketchup bottle okay and when i first seen your work i thought this is tight i don't forgive me i don't dig poor art 99 percent of the time but when i seen your stuff i was like this this is different. What is, what am I looking at? Mm -hmm. Like it stole my attention, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what is this? And then I seen the scale of it, and I'm like, this is fucking tight. I think I seen a video of you blowing it too, yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, this fucking guy, yeah. like he figured it out. I'm just, what am I looking at? Right. And I started to look through just a little bit of your process and the scale and just how you do things. Visually, before I even know your story, the respect for paint comes through, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's, you call it composition. Like, you have structure in it. In graph, we call it structure, right? There's a uh, there's always a cause and effect to everything, and that plays a part in telling the overall story of the letter. Mm -hmm. So, like, I see that in your work, too. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yo, this isn't poor art like I'm used to seeing, but there is an element of maybe pouring some paints right. in here. Right. So, like... What made you even start with the pour art stuff? Why not brushes and sp or spray paint? Like, yeah. where does the pour come into play? So, like, uh, it's all about technique, right? Trying new definitely. techniques. And so when I got all those pieces of cardboard, it was like, I tried stencils, right? I, I used to pick out laser-cut scraps from the architecture studio for cool patterns, and then oh. I would take these little cutouts, yeah. the negatives, essentially. Yeah. And then I would use them for spray paint, stencil, abstract pieces. Yeah. And then I would, like, make my skateboards look really cool with these stencils yeah. and stuff. And, like, you know, I tried that. I tried throw, like, throwing paint. I tried dripping paint. I tried pouring paint. tried painting paint. And at the end of the day, I just really got excited by paint doing stuff that only paint can okay. do. Okay. There it is. You got excited. Right. That's what I was hoping right. for. I get excited. The piece isn't done until I'm excited. Or if I'm excited while I do it, yeah. it's on its way to being done. Right. Like, but that's that's my gauge, right? For myself. Even even when I judge other art, I'm just like, I can appreciate 
the things about it, but it's just not exciting. But when something's exciting, I almost obsess over it. Right. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is like, yeah. let's dive deeper into the excitement. That's how I see it. Right. So you start to develop your own style. Is there anybody that plays an influence prior to you picking like an actual formula for yourself? Yeah. Uh, every skilled artist and architect that has taught me things so like you know from the from the graph heads i lived yeah to teaching me you know you gotta do some alphabets yeah and get a few styles down right dial it in or do some vignettes of a potential thing to sketch you know like a little credit card size sketch of your planned drawing yeah or your planned painting and so it really comes down to this one word iteration okay right and that means iterating upon an idea developing it doing like six different options and then yeah. saying that's the best one yeah. let's go that way and let's not look back and you know see what happens but it's so it's so much more than just throwing some fluid acrylic on it it definitely is right it's much more because yeah. i'm putting all my skill and my expertise into the the composition and then how do you develop a composition yeah with with fluid paint right and it's for me it's like using these different techniques you know like a wash in the background and then like uh, a deeper wash that gives that like a, a mid-ground yeah and then you have the fluid acrylic itself that creates the foreground but then mixing them in a way where it draws like shapes and lines and it's not like all just pouring together yeah and that was the battle that was like the internal battle that started my whole collision collection of like 14 of these paintings where it's like warm and cool white and black and then them combining in the middle yeah and creating a kind of kite shaped portal no oh, and that's where that secret ingredient comes in you got to figure out where your push and pull is what you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. see i do that too with stuff at the shop and like one thing I, I like, and I know the, the 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 journey is going right in the piece if I feel fear during it, like, oh, I like where it's at, mm -hmm. but the next move might just fuck it up. Right. And like you spend a little bit of time with that. Like, well, what what is the next move? What will look good here? And you just kind of get you stay plugged into it, right? Mm -hmm. Is there fear or other emotions involved in the painting too that reoccur as you're making this? Yeah. So these all develop because each time I tried something different. Yeah. You know, I used to like tape a line down the middle and it would give me a more harsh. Yeah. Like center, center line. And then one day I was like, fuck the tape. Yeah. Yeah. See what happens. And yeah, I was yeah. like, that was the best one I'd ever done. Yeah. That sold right away. Okay. Right. Yeah. When I got rid of the tape first time I got rid of the tape. And then I was like, Oh, let's start doing crazier backgrounds with brush strokes. You yeah. know, get some brush strokes involved. It doesn't all have to be one technique. And so it's like pushing all these different techniques and it again like to make paint do paint things yeah yeah visuals that are inherent to paint and that's something that i think abstract artists are always trying to bring to light like this is what paint can do yeah you can i can get a picture reproduced right of of like a painting and make it look like a painting yeah. in photoshop pretty easily you know, it can make a photorealistic thing look like a painting. And so for me, it was like, let's make something only paint can make. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's the nerd artist part, right? Is like, there's a whole group of people who dig that. 
mm-hmm. artists and non-artists. And it's cool when you meet them and you're just like, yo, when you said you got some secret ingredients, in my head, I started running through poly-based. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I started thinking about, like, what would that look like in my field? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about what you're doing because that's your situation. But I was like, yeah. what are my secret ingredients that I'm not sharing with people? Because it's like, you know, you take a lot of time to get there. And once you become satisfied with a process yeah. and that process becomes part of the excitement, it's very valuable. You like yeah. you don't you're not quick to share it. Has there been any times where you've maybe not liked any of the art that you've made, but it's sold or not? even No, not liked it. You weren't as excited about it as other pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. When I was trying to like just do art as a living okay and so i was like i was a band photographer in philly and so i like wanted to do just band photography and selling art and you know trying to make that work yeah and just the financial pressure made all my art shit and i was like it was just not coming out from the right place Place, yeah yeah like of like freedom and fun and because i think i my art's about being happy and fun. Mm-hmm. And so it just wasn't there when it was about the money. And so that's a, that was a learning lesson. It's like, all right, your path is to like, you know, design buildings and spaces. And then art is just that like fun side expression yeah. that doesn't have to necessarily like pay all of your bills. Because again, I will, I'll tell you, I like, I think architecture is the most powerful form of art unavoidable yeah if you don't like it you have to deal with it yeah you're you're gonna go to a space tonight you're gonna sleep in a room he's gonna sleep yeah. in a room so it's like architecture is the most powerful art because it's unavoidable oh that's tight yeah that's dope yeah now where does <clears throat> you had told me about a studio space you share with the other artist other artists and that you guys do shows there also mm-hmm. but you're also now beginning to embark on like your own events that you and other people are putting together right there was one person that was key that wasn't actually an artist right. but he also he just puts together the event mm-hmm. who is that person again? yeah so um his name's mauricio velasco okay and uh he is the the leader whatever ceo of the smart collective okay and this is a collection of uh, like bay area artists but also i think it's just national artists we have a guy in texas too um and he just kind of curates the arts curates shows and uh puts people on it's his thing like yeah he'll send us like links and put us on and you know i've known him for a hot minute and uh, actually a friend from sacramento linked me up with him okay and um he he puts us on he threw a show we did a cinco de mayo show right okay and that was this cinco de mayo and it was called the bay area contemporary and it was right next to dolores park in like this old school um old school car shop like they had a bunch of cool old school cars and then yeah. this guy um, jimmy mccaffrey he's an abstract expressionist in san francisco pretty well known um kind of similar philosophies to me always goes big um crushes it with his corporate clients yeah super super talented guy he opened up his space with the smart collective to show like 20 artists some bands and stuff and i had two pieces in this show but it was it was a pop event like a thousand two hundred people came down like 
high-end art, you know, I think the most expensive piece was like, what was it, like $40,000. Damn, son. Yeah, and like so many talented artists there and serious people showed up. Um, and so we're, we're, keep push, we're pushing towards more of that. His first show was like in his uh, one bedroom, yeah, one bedroom in Chinatown. Yeah. But he's so driven, you know, he put, he, he got a nice couch, he put his bed in the closet. Yeah, yeah. He put everything in the closets, and then he he works for, like, the Young Museum, curating art, right? Mauricio, really? Yeah, Mauricio. So he's, like, trained in handling art. So when yeah. I drop my shit off, I'm like, you got it. Yeah, yeah. I don't even need to worry. And so he, he curated this one bedroom in Chinatown, and it looked like a fucking gallery. Yeah, that's gangster. It was insane. Yeah. And people, some people didn't know. Yeah. They thought they were at, like, a little gallery. In a fucking, in a, like, housing thing or whatever. Like <laughs> an, an apartment building. building. Yeah, in an yeah. apartment building. Yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah. But it was right off of the stair, so it was like you didn't have to go through a corridor yeah, for yeah. too long. So it kind of did feel like yeah. you just popped into, like, a gallery. That's wild. <laughs> now, see, something like that, to me, sounds exciting. The experience of that, the way that comes together, right? Mm -hmm. The response of it sounds exciting. I love that about this time right now. There's, there's a, there's a big challenge or a push or a movement, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That, you know, social media empowers each individual. Now, when you have art that people dig, you know, you don't necessarily need to take the same steps that maybe other people did, where you know they did uh, just different steps right you can situate your own you can put together your own situation and mm -hmm. watch it play out get the data from the people coming through what do you do different how do you build it yeah. you know what's what's going to attract this other kind of buyer this other kind of person and it's dope to see that in real time and then to see the post response of it online and mm -hmm. to see we've been doing that here in sacramento for a while now and it's to me it's addicting yeah like my addictive personality wants to continue to do this and fine-tune it mm -hmm. and so like to hear that you guys are doing that same thing and i'm sure that's happening all over that city right. right just like it's happening in every other little city there's a thing in stockton called merge that these people are putting together that are starting to like push that snowball down the hill they're finding the talent they're mm -hmm. staging it they're providing the experience and like that's happening everywhere literally yeah. it's dope to see it's the new wave it, and yeah. And like uh, like another example, I got these friends, uh, DJ Collective, called okay. Groovewell. Okay. These guys have been crushing it out of Oakland. And they have like this cool ass warehouse yeah. that they've been throwing shows in. And uh, they live there too. And uh, we set up a show at SF Public Works. I don't know if you're familiar with the venue. No. They do like a lot of DJ shows, but sometimes they'll do like art pop-ups. Okay. And so, like, I had this idea to do, like, a psychedelic, blacklight, yeah. uh, rave party with my art, right? Yeah. It's fluid. It kind of will go well with blacklights and changing colors and psychedelic theme. And, like, we set it up. You know, I hung up, like, eight paintings, and it was all in the DJ space, but cool color-changing lights on them. Yeah. And, like, we threw an epic event. You know, people were dancing all night. Um, and the art was, like, an integral part yeah to that night with the experience yeah right so it's like i think it, the thing is like curating an experience definitely and <clears throat> we're the right people to do that yeah you know maybe quiet galleries with 
crackers and cheese mm-hmm. aren't necessarily always the way. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just me. I like to be, like I said, excited. Right. And if I'm excited in the space, stay in the space. Doesn't necessarily always translate to sales, but it's about. I find it very valuable to be able to control your own narrative. You're mm-hmm. telling your own story, right? Right, and like, no one can do a better job of that than you, right? And so I think that's extremely valuable too. Yeah, you're showing up as an artist for yeah. your community. Yeah, right, in a way that they can relate to. Where do you see? No, where would you like to see these shows that you guys are doing? With uh, what's homeboy's name again? Mauricio. That sounds like a fake name, bro. He's real. <laughs> no, it's tight. It's tight, but it just sounds... he goes by Maurice half the time. Okay, I like Mauricio better. Yeah, no, it's tight. It sounds fancier with Mauricio. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some of the things you guys have coming up? Can you talk about that? Let's see. Um, we have another like group show coming up. Okay. And we're we're ironing the details out. Okay. But. One that the one that I'm really excited about is one that's centered around abstract, abstract oh, okay. expressionist art, yeah. large format, um, and so I think me and Jimmy McCaffrey's art are gonna look great. That's that's the guy who had this huge space, like he had mm. that whole space to himself, and this dude goes nuts, throwing paint, spinning paint, kicking paint, stepping paint, yeah. like slapping. Like this guy goes crazy. That's wild. And his art is fucking amazing. It stands for itself. Um, so. That'll be in the the pipeline. There is like an abstract show, but more concrete yeah. in terms of what what's actually coming up. We're having a like on the books. That is, we're having a fall show, like a fall twenty twenty three with the open studios. Right, that's the art explosion studio. So we do fall and spring open studios, which is like we get a wall, we show our work, and you know you come get some cheap wine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know. You, and sometimes these are fun shows, Friday nights, great shows. Um, and you get to see where we work, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. So that's on the books for sure. And then upcoming after that would be this abstract expressionist show. Does the abstract expressionist show get you more pumped to do work? Because it's, you sound like you're a fan of the dude. I'm going to look at his work after this. Yeah, show. yeah. So like, is that something that you're just like, bro, Yeah, I'm going to go in on this one. Like, yeah. this is going to be some next level shit. Right. Yeah. No, um, I think as being an artist, architect, designer, you need to like other people's work. Yeah, you do. And, like, yeah. admire their work. And I think that, I think you see this more in architecture, but the the person that just hates everything, like, oh, that paint color is shit. Yeah. You know, oh, that flooring, oh, how could you? And it's like. You got to like stuff to be a good designer, artist, yeah. you know? And so, like, picking out, like, oh, this guy's killing it. You yeah. know, like, you can't be too harsh of a critic. Otherwise, you, you think you're the best. Like, And that's <laughs> just ugly for your own spirit, bro. Yeah. Like, you want to yeah. wake up just being the, I don't know what I mean. Cutting out that, all that inspiration. Yes, definitely. Being, being too harsh on other work. So, like, yeah, no, I'm stoked on that show because I totally admire this guy's work. Yeah. Are there any new steps you're taking in preparation for this show that you haven't already taken? Maybe some sizes or some shit like. Yeah, um, I'm doing a new collection, right? Okay. So this last collision collection was like all about like pouring and composition and this kite shape, this portal size, and now I'm moving to a landscape format. Oh shit! Calling it the drift collection. Okay. And so this is switching technique. So this is more of like a 
like a pulling squeegee technique. Is that right? where I seen you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a Gerhard Richter technique. Okay. And, uh, when done intentionally, you can create a wild, some wild compositions, but when done sloppily, it, it starts to just look like a field of colors, Yeah, which isn't always bad, but it's not what I'm trying to get. So that's my next step. And I've done two of these guys and I think they, they, they stand for themselves. They're good pieces of art. What's prompting you to a different series? Is it just this show or is it, are you just maybe tired of exploring everything you've explored with the portals and the kites? Yeah. Uh, so I did like 14 of these collision portals mm -hmm. and I think like five of them have sold. They're hanging up in houses. Um, so I think I was just ready to, you know, try new things. You got to yeah. mix it up and I'm going to come back and do more collisions. Uh, but it's good to, to, you know, spice it up and try, try different things. So I, I don't want to be pigeonholed yeah. into like, Oh, this guy can only do pores. Cause that's not what it's, if, if that's what someone sees, that's, they're not seeing it. Right. Yeah. You know? So it's like showing that you have a breadth of work. I find myself not painting a series, but just, I come into it with this attitude. I let the paint teach me something like, and usually each session will produce like a new lesson that'll, that'll the second session will start at. And so you see like work for the first time in the show here on the 17th, we're going to have, I'm going to put the work out as a timeline mm -hmm. and you'll be able to somewhat track where it started, where it went, where it's at right now, mm -hmm. you know, like the same way these podcasts, beginning, middle, current, right. right? And we just go through the process per person and do a respectful job of it. So like, I'm going to do that with myself. And it's, I was looking at it the other day and I was like, yo, this is like years of my life right. and like only like six or seven pieces though. Yeah. And there's just so much transition, so much change. It's wild to me. Do you ever go back and look at the other stuff you were doing before and consider the journey? Yeah. And I, but I also think that that's why collect like developing work in collections is yeah. so powerful. Oh, that makes it's sense. Like, it's like back to the idea of iteration. Yeah, you yeah. see it processing from each step. And that's the type of thing that art collectors look for. Oh, I just learned something new today. You know, <laughs> collections. Yeah. They want to be able to collect the work in collections. And so um, that's why we create iterative work. Okay. In a way, but yeah, no, sometimes looking back at it all um, is like super important to tracking your journey, tracking your techniques, and it just makes work mean more to you and others. To yeah. be like, oh wow, look at the look at the timeline on that. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what you do next, dude. Like, even the work that I've already seen from you was already exciting to me, and I'm just like, dude, what? Like, I'm a I'm a fan of your of you, right? And your art's a byproduct of that. So like, yeah, I'm just excited to see what you do next, especially like in a collective show where right. you're at, like where your space is. Like, yeah, I think it'd be tight. Yeah. Just go down there, see what you do and how you do it. Yeah. No, it's I wanna make wanna make art that's I guess I guess I don't like to do anything that someone else 
is done or it feels like, oh, that's just like that. Or, yeah. you know, I always like to just do things differently. Like, you know, like I don't have a TV. I read books. That's kind of weird, right? Like, <laughs> a lot of kids my age. I mean, that's cool. Like, think that, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you just read books. And, like, I just don't like to to do, like, the obvious answer. And that I feel like I try to reflect that with my art. So next step is trying to push more of that into like the new series. Yeah. Right. And that's a tough thing to do sometimes. It is. Why don't you have a TV? TV's garbage. Um, wasted time. Your real life is right at your hands. It is. Damn. That's a quote, bro. Like I'm living in a movie and it's <laughs> yeah. my movie. Yeah. No, that's I don't tight. need to watch some other person do it. Go out and fucking take a walk. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> I got too many hobbies. I guess that's what it comes down to. No, and that's dope. It sounds like a clear headspace. Yeah. I paint cars, prep cars all day, and all day long it's audiobooks. I'm not looking at anything aside from what I'm actually doing. Oh, that's fun. You listen to audiobooks? I listen to so many audiobooks. Dude, I love Like, that. I did go to continuation school and I didn't complete it, right? So I don't have a diploma, but on Audible, I'm basically a scholar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got the little scholar badge. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, so many audiobooks, bro. And, like, you, it, hey, one thing I've learned is, like, the value of art in reflecting past times and current times. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see, you know, you can see where they were at this time because somebody painted a picture of it. Now, at that time, it might not be that valuable. But right. you fast forward 100 years and technology has changed and things have changed and you're just like, Yo, that's wild that that's what that looks like. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. And that shit, that shit came through yeah. in like this collection. So in like 2020. Okay. Like I was doing these, like I said, warm and cool. Yeah. Red and blue. Yeah. Black and white paintings. And I would do them with a sharp line down the middle. And I feel like that is reflective of where the U.S. was politically. Oh, hey, there time. you go. Damn. Right? Like yeah. Sharp division. Yeah. And then over the years, it kept mixing, yeah. mixing more and more in the middle. Damn. And I feel like that's like whether you see that in the work or not, because that takes, you know, you got to read the dates and think yeah. about it. But yeah. like that's coming through. And and like now I think that like, you know, I'm not like super into politics, but now people are, are mixing in a way where we're seeing through the illusion of both sides. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're two wings of a corrupt bird. Yeah. And so two that wings of a corrupt bird. Keep going. Keep and so going. that's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's how I see like American politics and it comes through in the work in a way that some people might see, some people might not. But if you ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking tight. Dude. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to fuck up your episode by asking you any more questions. We'll end with that part. I will ask you one more question though. And what's your idea of a dope day? Oh, man. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay. So, wake up with the loved one mm -hmm. you know have some nice time in the bed yeah definitely. hang out water water your garden you gotta water your plants bro if you got vegetables yeah yeah they're thirsty and then go to the beach i live i live next to the beach so cruise over to the beach walk the dogs hit the skate park you know just little mini ramp session yeah yeah <laughs> um and then like kick it with a little hike Okay. Yeah, you know, probably with my girl or a friend. And then, man, catch some live music, right? Okay. You see a band you never heard of. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, that band's tight. I love seeing bands I never heard of. 
Okay. Right. And it's like, oh, shit, that's tight. And then, you know, maybe a few drinks and playing cards. I play hella cards. It's part of also not having TV. We play cards. And you know magic. And so I know magic. I'm sure that comes into play. Dude, Keep I'll going. slip a few aces. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, um, yeah, just, like, shooting the shit at the end of the day, playing cards, having a few drinks, cooking dinner, making your own organic food okay. with your filtered water with no yeah. fluoride in it and beautiful, clean food you grew in your house. I mean, that, to me, that's real wealth. Real wealth is being able to have nice furniture that you got off Craigslist and yeah. <laughs> have, like, a food that you grew yeah. in clean water. Well, I appreciate the in-depth answer, dog. I appreciate <laughs> you teaching me some things. Uh, any last-minute shout-outs or anything you want to give before we get out of here? Oh, man. Um, you know, just shout-out to you for setting this Thank up. you. To, Thank like, you very much. Putting artists on, right? Yeah. That's a valuable thing. Shout-out to all the people that brought me to where I was. You can't do this shit without mentors. You can't. And that's what We Are Sacramento is to me. By the way, this podcast brought to you by We Are Sacramento and the Law.